Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And today I'm very happy to welcome Bo Bennett, and he is a social psychologist. He's an entrepreneur, business owner, author. He's also a, um, he does multiple things, but today is really interesting. He's been successful in business, sold his company for $20 million, 29 years old. Um, he's a content, so does a lot of things. And I'm really happy to welcome individuals as accomplished as Bo onto the show. So welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, we connected through Podmatch and tell us about your story, background, how you got doing what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, you bet. Just a point of clarification. I'm uh, I'm now 51 years old. I sold my business when I was 29. <laughs> I, I just don't want people to think, wow, that guy, that 29-year-old sounds really old. So uh, <clears throat> my background, yeah, basically the exciting part of my background, business background, is after I graduated college, I, I never wanted to to work for a company. My intent was never to get a job. It was always to create a job. And that's what really annoyed me with my college. I, I, uh, I went to college back in 1990, 1990 to 94, my undergrad. And back then, it, at least at Bryant College, where I went in, in Rhode Island, the mindset was, you are here so you can get a good job, which really annoyed me. There was there was nothing about, hey, guess what? You can create a job. You could do tons of different things. You don't have to put on a suit and go to the office and get a job. So anyways, uh, I, I never wanted to get a real job or a real job. Uh, <laughs> I did nothing but work extremely hard. But what I did is after college, I, I just started a graphic design company. And that's how I got involved in the internet back in 1995, early 1995, when the internet was just making waves and people were just starting to find out about it. I was one of the first. And I, I thought, what an amazing tool for my graphic design business where I could actually show my clients the designs like in real time. Because what I did before that is I'd had I'd have to FedEx it to them, like the full color design. It would cost like 20 bucks. They'd have to wait a day. They'd have to make the changes, get it back to me. And it was a crazy process, a pain in the neck. Uh -huh. So I thought this, this internet thing is amazing. And that's I was kind of short-sighted there because that's all I wanted to do was, was uh, just for the graphic design. So to, uh, to sum up the story a little bit, I ended up 
looking for a web hosting provider somewhere where I could start a website and there was nothing out there. It was crap. I mean, the, the people that were there were, they didn't know what they were doing. So I basically secluded myself to a room for six months. I learned everything I could about the internet, about programming, programming the internet, like Perl language. And I started my own web hosting company and it, it just took off. It was crazy how quickly it took off. I, I instantly sold the graphic design business, just focused on that. And then um, started an affiliate program and it took off even more after that. Uh, lots of interesting things happened along the way. But in 2001, I was offered $20 million for the company by Allegiance Telecom. They're no longer in business. And I, I accepted because it was like right, right when the internet bubble was bursting. And I was, I got out at a little bit late because the company that bought me Allegiance, they went bankrupt. So I didn't get the full payment, but I got most of it, which, uh, which I was happy with. But really, if I waited another month, I would have had like a, a fraction of it. So um, the timing worked out well, but not perfect. And ever since then, I've been doing lots of different things, mostly all internet based. And and I just, uh, I just love starting business and, and running companies. You really, yeah, very interesting. And um, do you find any similarities between the internet, um, uh, the bubble? It sounds like you, you know, you really um, early adopter, got in early timing, pretty good. And um, and now, you know, this this uh, whole wave with um, Bitcoin, blockchain, AI, I hate to use the word crypto because, you know, crypto is has a bad connotation. But, you know, for example, do you get a lot of... Um, you see a lot of similarities between those two? Well, there's a few major turning points that I've seen in in business, basically, since I, I started. The first one was, a, well, the first one actually was um, was the introduction of the PC back when I was in seventh grade. And I had the, uh, the Apple Lisa, I think it was. Uh, I started with that. And I mean, that was obviously a game changer in business. And then came the internet back in 95, uh, and then social media, like in in 2010, and Facebook and Twitter, and that was another huge thing. I, I didn't I didn't jump aboard that bandwagon so quickly because I was so busy with other things. But I, I kind of saw that it was going to be big. And honestly, I never got the same vibe with with crypto. Uh, I, I felt like I, I didn't see anything there. And maybe it's my short side. It, just my lack of knowledge about crypto and 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 about everything involved in that, uh, like NFTs, and I, I just I just didn't see it. Uh, so I, I won't say that um, it's not there. I'm just saying that I don't see it. But I will tell you that recently the AI explosion. I mean, this is crazy, crazy, crazy stuff, and it is going to be, in my opinion bigger than the internet. I mean, of course, it builds on the internet. Um, the internet is kind of the foundation where the AI lives and breathes, uh, metaphorically speaking, of course, uh, at least for now. Uh, but I think that uh, AI is going to be, it, it already is huge. And I think it's going to get bigger and bigger. And I think anybody looking to jump aboard a new cash train, this is it. You just have to find the niche. You got to find how you can make money in this. And there are plenty of ways, but I, I bet with some creativity, people could find even more ways. Yeah, it's a, it's fascinating, especially with ChatGPT, you know, like a podcast, you know, I can 
crank it out as fast as almost like a social media post now it's and um, you know accelerated a lot of things um really made things a lot easier i love i love um dating myself back then and um because i've you know i've seen basically t innovation and um, i love talking to successful individuals such as yourself one thing is uh one thing is interesting is um because you're a social psychologist you got a phd and you you know this idea of um cognitive biases i've been you know reading about about that and um confirmation biases and and tell individuals you know your ideas and how they can help create alternate reality yeah sure <laughs> well, cognitive biases for those who don't know are basically illusions of the mind like there are optical illusions when when you're walking on a hot day and you see like it looks like a lake on the, the road but it's not you get closer and it disappears well, that's the heat evaporating and, and the bending of light waves and whatever it might be. You could ask a physicist for that. They'll give you a better answer. Um, but when it comes to cognitive biases, it's essentially the same thing. But we're not talking about optical illusions. We're talking about mental illusions. We're talking about uh, misperceptions of reality based on the way the mind works. And interestingly, cognitive biases aren't mistakes of the human mind. They're actually features. So they're not bugs, they're features. They're the way our minds work. Because you have to remember that evolution basically equipped us to survive and reproduce. And that's it. That's all evolution cares about, that we survive and reproduce. And that's the goal. So when it comes to getting things accurately, we need to know how not to die. We need to know um, to protect ourselves as much as possible. And the common example that's used is if our ancestors heard something in the grasses, they would automatically think the worst and they would fear that it was like a, a lion or saber-toothed tiger, whatever there was back then, ready to pounce on them and get them. So they would, they would act a lot of times prematurely and not rationally and be safe. And their ancestors or our ancestors, the ones that didn't, the ones that said, eh, the heck with it, uh, it's realistically speaking, there is a one in 100 chance that it's something dangerous. You know, they, they think rationally and realistically, well, they're going to die <laughs> because uh, over time, statistically, they're going to they're going to get the wrong side of the deal there. They're going to get eaten. They're not going to reproduce. So we are the offspring of our ancestors who who thought correctly to survive, not thought correctly to reason in today's world. So back then, they didn't deal with the same kind of cognitive issues that we did, the same kind of political issues, the same kind of arguments, the same kind of debates. That just didn't exist back then. It was very simple, very basic. So we are not equipped, evolutionary, evolutionary speaking, to survive, well, not to survive, but to thrive in this kind of environment. And there's an interesting book, Fast and Slow Thinking, by uh, Daniel Kahneman and uh, Amos Tversky. Uh, and they talk about the difference between fast and slow uh, thinking, system one and system two, meaning one is slow and deliberate, and the other one is like instant. And, and that's where we are for survival. We, we think instantly. When we see something on the news, let's say we see a picture of our political opponent, um, like a fake picture of them um, soliciting a prostitute, right? Of course, it was, it was faked, uh, but it doesn't matter because we think quickly about it, it instantly 
attaches to our confirmation bias. We use our confirmation bias and we say, you know what, that's true. Um, and if we see the opposite, if we see somebody that we we like politically in that position, we'll say, you know what, that's false. We don't think slowly about it. We don't take that system two type of thinking and, and say, okay, um, what's the source of this image? Where did it come from? Why did I see it? What's the what's the chances that it is true? And some random Twitter account got this picture, and all the major news outlets didn't. You know, all these like uh, questions that any like reasonable person would ask. When it comes to cognitive biases, we don't do it. We don't think reasonably. We just think fast. We think quick, and we're fine with that. Um, we're limited to the cognitive processes. We're, we, cognitive um, energy is expensive. It takes a lot of energy to really process and think about everything. And in today's world and environment, we can't do that. We need to use heuristics. We need to kind of rely on our biases that get us to the wrong uh, information many times, but that's the only way we could actually do it. So the answer to this, like what is the answer? What's the solution? Is when it comes to something, we need to activate that system too. And we need to say, okay, let's think about this reasonably. Let's think about this rationally. Anytime we're engaged in debate, conversation, where we where the outcome is really important, we need to slow down, we need to step back, and we need to put our cognitive biases aside, not think quickly, but rationally, and figure things out. So cognitive biases, they're there, they've always been there, um, but we need to work around them, and we could work around them, we just need to, to do it, and it takes energy. Uh, lazy people don't do it. Smart people who are interested in the truth, they do do it. Yeah. What, what's interesting is um, because, uh, you know, like the way I've, I've been thinking, because I saw this, um, the MIT commencement address from, uh, he was a YouTuber, it was this year, and he's talking about confirmation bias, and he's talking about how you can use that to actually activate the law of attraction, which is really interesting. You filter out what you pay attention to what you assign meaning to and it's almost like you're actually creating your own reality which you're mm -hmm. talking about um, right. which is fascinating why is it so important to get comfortable with these uncomfortable ideas and um and you know we'll get into how you apply this to you know authorship and other realms that you're doing yeah well it's related obviously to cognitive biases there are a lot of ideas that that are uncomfortable to us. They're uncomfortable to us politically, re religiously, socially, uh, for many different reasons, because we don't we don't like them. We don't like to think about it. We don't like the potential outcomes, but but sometimes we need to. And you mentioned that commencement speaker, which was interesting, and in how cognitive biases could could actually help us sometimes. And that's true. Not like creating our own reality could actually help us. And that is true. Like you can create your own reality and you could pretend like you are uh, confident. You could pretend that you're well adjusted. You could you could create this reality where you're like a superhero and you could act that way. And in that sense, acting that way makes you become that. So you could see where where this kind of mindset uh, psychologically could work and could benefit people. It's kind of like self-confidence, believing in your believing in yourself. Um, looking at your positive aspects. Um, however, there is a part where it does, it, it can conflict with reality. Like, for example, if if you think you're a really good looking guy who could get any girl they want, <laughs> but you're not, no matter how much, well, 
I say no matter how much you think it, but confidence is very attractive in people and people like confidence, but only up to a certain point. You know, there's going to be a point where where it's just not going to work for you. Um, and, and that's where kind of like reality comes in in and gets in the way or like if if you think you're rich and you're spending money like you're rich but you don't have the money it doesn't work that way you know you need to uh to be part of reality there so so there's definitely uh there's definitely those those intersections we could call them uncomfortable ideas are um i i again just to quickly define it's basically an idea um a, a concept a, a fact of life that um, that makes us uncomfortable to talk about or to think about. Um, my book is is filled with them. It's and and they're very controversial too because because again they're uncomfortable. So the best thing that I could do is possibly uh, just ignore them. But sometimes sometimes you can't. Uh, one of the examples that I use that that's kind of a fun one, but also it is could be a little bit controversial is when. Uh, uh, there's a bunch of them, but the one I want to talk about, I guess, is is the one where uh, Ellen. Do you remember the host Ellen DeGeneres of the Ellen Show? Oh, yeah. Uh, a few years back, she you know, she's a comedian. She's very funny. She's very lighthearted, lovable. Um, she photoshopped a picture of her on the back of Usain Bolt, one of the, like the fastest man in the world, like sprinting. And she said something funny, like I could be faster. Or, I won the world record or whatever, something like that. But it was a complete, like total innocent joke. But so many people attacked her for racism. Like, oh, look at you using the black man as a as like a slave, you know, bringing back to slavery. And you think like, wait, what the heck? And she was completely thrown off. A lot of people were like, well, what's going on here? Uh, and this is a way where people kind of create this like race racism where it doesn't exist uh -huh. and people do that nowadays you create racism you create sexism you create all of these problems where they don't actually exist and and they do exist after you create them by pointing it out and and uh, whether there is no intention so a lot of times when when people think that they're doing the right thing by being the the keyboard warrior, the social justice warrior, whatever you want to call them, um, they're they're not. They're actually creating the problem. They're making it worse. They're bringing up something where it didn't exist before. So people need to know that um, from like a social psychological perspective, what is going on? And a lot of times, like that is an uncomfortable idea because you think you're doing the right thing. But you're not. And you, the person who's trying to fight racism, to fight sexism, you're actually doing the opposite. So you could see there where not being aware of this could just keep on allowing the problem to get worse. But if you are aware of, of what's going on, then you could change your behavior and you can make things better. Mm, yeah, I love that. It's so interesting. And I love, um, you know, just questioning your assumptions and kind of taking the opposite side um helps you to you know be more open-minded um really interesting and um i know a lot of people i know you do you do comedy you're an author um how can people check you out um, follow you on your social media accounts sure well I, i'm not a huge social media user um i do have a facebook account but you could find me at bobennett.com that's just my domain name 
can find all my books there, everything I do. And also if you um, go to a uh, squat, that goes directly to my YouTube channel where I created a, um, a sitcom. That's what I've been working on now. I've got two more episodes to, to animate and hopefully that'll be done within a couple of weeks. Um, really excited about that. And that's where I get to kind of release all my humor, but every single one of those sitcom episodes has like what we've been talking about. They have uncomfortable ideas in there. They're the underlying theme of all of this is critical thinking. And you could see how the characters portray that. So there's a lot of learning in there, but it's all hidden by humor, by a lighthearted humor. So uh, definitely check that out if you're interested in that. Yeah, I love that. I love um, talking with people that have from different industries, um, especially the, the early days of the internet and um, just talking innovation and um, these, these um, how to question our assumptions and thinking and um, change society for better. So um, with that, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much. Okay, thank you. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week